0: hey what's up guys welcome to mulling it over here on heart of ohio sports nate mullins (laughs) in studio squared we got the wizard in-house keeping us live here tonight and we got somebody joining us here on the uh, face-to-face here on the video conference Tater on the fat himself. cave himself tommy hall how we doing tommy
1: live from the fat cave
0: <laughs> hey brother uh it's been a while since we got a chance to catch up with you Last time you and I sat down, we were uh, calling some basketball over there in Bowling Green. But uh, what you been up to lately, Bubba?
1: Swinging bikes, getting ready for the spring. Baseball is in the air. But uh, more importantly, uh, free agency has been in the air. Mm. And I've been uh, smelling what AB has been cooking for the Browns.
0: I'll tell you free what. Free agency this season. I'll tell you what. What's really nice about this <coughs> offseason season is, you know, the way the Browns finished last year, it was kind of like, like a fart in the wind. You know, like everybody just kind of forgot about how the season ended. They kind of whimpered away, and, you know, they're kind of forgotten about right now. But AB's making some quiet moves, including what happened today. What do you think about them trading for Elijah Moore?
1: Like I told you, I don't think that uh, for number 42 you could get any better. <sighs> Plus, you get a pick back. Yeah. Um, AB is like I said, he's rolling. Um, I believe I heard rumors that uh, they went for Judy, but they weren't giving up a you know, they didn't have first round or two give up, but yeah, you know, uh, kind of interesting that uh, you know, again, the fallout of the Jets Packers fiasco kind of playing into the hands of the Browns, and you know, like you talked about, I uh. I know you're going to cause a lot of controversy because, you know, you you win with performance. But uh, I think back to that uh, 2020 season, getting to the Divisional, and then, you know, having that game against Kansas City. And then for two years, the Bengals kind of fell into the, uh, you know, stepped in some shit and came out smelling like roses and, you know, got into contention for some Super Bowls there. And now... They act like the Browns, you know, just kind of slipped down to the basement. No, we've been here the whole damn time. And in 2023, again, all that talk about going back to the chip, you get the AFC has been a placeholder for the Cleveland Browns since 2020, and they're coming back to finish business this year.
0: I have a feeling that everybody's going to sleep on this team, including the media. You're not going to hear. The usual media coverage that the Browns got with Baker Mayfield. And, you know, after the Baker Mayfield draft, I feel like the media really loved him and his persona and his who he was. So that's why the the media kind of gravitated towards him. You had the, the you know, the, the, the cons of it and the pros of it. You know, you had guys like, you know, Colin Cowturd, who, you know, constantly berated him all the time. But you had ESPN, who was constantly putting the Browns into the headlines. And I think for a long time, people kind of got sick of them talking about this team when they were kind of middling in mediocrity. But when they started making noise, you saw what happened, Tommy. When they made that playoff run, they became kind of like America's team. Everybody started rooting for the Browns, wanting the Browns to win. It's been so long since the Browns won. I want to see them win it. All of a sudden, everybody's starting to pull for the Browns. I have a feeling that this team is going to be slept on. People are going to forget about how good this team actually is because there's not many missing pieces from that playoff run a few years ago. Just the wrong wrong ones. You got, I think, AB making some, like you said, some really quiet moves, but also some really powerful moves. And there's not a whole lot of other movement in the AFC North right now, if you think about it. I mean, the Steelers signed Pat Pete, who's like thirty-eight years old. But other than that, there's really not much movement. They also let Devin Bush
1: rut walk. They let a couple of linebackers walk on that team. I, My, uh, yeah.
0: I do like the Bengals signing the Brown. He that he's gone.
1: Yeah. I mean, it just seems like the uh the AFC North a lot of, and then just the NFL in general, a lot of teams are just kind of emptying the cupboards and kind of Trying to, trying to go after it again while a lot of other teams are in desperation mode like the Saints, like the Broncos, where they're just trying to load up now. Even the Browns trying to load up now to win now because that's really what it is. And when you think about kind of the fallout even from this year, look how much has changed just the two seasons to where – Baker Mayfield
0: is now the poster child for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, and he's worn four different jerseys in the last calendar year. <laughs> you know, like it's it's crazy to think that exactly one year ago today, the Browns still had him on their roster. So the he's played still for have four a lot different of, uh, he's worn four different jerseys from. in the last calendar year. It's crazy to think. So I so said the Baker Bros have plenty of jerseys to pick from. <laughs> <laughs> Just the fall from grace from him. And you had so many people defending him in that situation last year saying I feel bad for Baker. Can you believe what the browns are doing to him? They're taking on this guy, this sex offender and you know say what you want about whatever he d- did off the field and you know rightfully so you can say whatever you want that's that's it comes it's going to come with the territory for the next 10 years. As a Browns fan, you're going to have to root for this guy, but you're also going to have to deal with the consequences, you know, of everybody talking about what he did off the field. But he's still head and shoulders above what we had with Baker Mayfield. And I think what you're going to see this offseason and going into next next year, you're going to see him elevate the play of the people around him. And now you've got guys like Donovan Peoples-Jones, who I feel like is going to elevate his play He's going to take his game to the next level. Amari Cooper already, you saw what he can do last year. He's still, I mean, 28 years old. You've got guys still, Njoku, I mean, they've got weapons. There's a possibility I've heard of uh, if there's no big-time buyers for Kareem Hunt, he might just come back to Cleveland on a hometown discount for a one-year deal and just run it back again. So, I mean, if they end up with
1: most they got of those anthony same walker weapons back, back.
0: On one year deal too. and then you add a guy like elijah moore and then you stacked up the defense the way they have tommy talk about that defensive line i mean good lord they've added four guys now to that d line
1: that's what i said and they also got anthony walker back for a one year deal yep. so i mean again sometimes those one one year contracts speak more than anything because anthony walker is in the locker room he's got a captain's pack he knows what this uh, franchise is trying to do and what they're trying to accomplish, and with these free agency signings, it got other guys talking. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the thing is, like once guys, how even Odell is it was entertaining that run running it back with
0: the Browns now that you know Baker's <laughs> out of there. But what do you what would you say to that? I don't think the Browns have much interest in that, but I would say there are a lot of <laughs> Browns fans who would like to dust off their Odell jerseys. I'm not one of them. I'm like, I remember what he did that last year. I remember his dad posting the video and trying to tear the locker room apart. There was so much division in that locker room that last year that he was on the roster. I'll say this. Would I completely disown the team if they brought him back? No. But am I... In the corner of wanting it to happen, no, I'm I'm good on that. That train has uh, set, you know, that ship has set sail already. I, I the guys had three ACL surgeries, two in the last one in the last year. Uh, I'm good on that. I'm, I'll be all right. What do you think? I think again, feed Chub. I don't give a shit about yeah, these right. <laughs> who cares who you're throwing the ball to? Feed Chubb. RPO. The to the RPO. R-P-O.
1: <laughs> Play action. I mean, you got a lot of the taste of that you can come out yeah. of this uh, coming season. That, you know, again, you have to keep an eye out on. I'm excited about hearing that the Hall of Fame game is going to be at, you know, with the Browns in Canton. I think that's a big deal, too.
0: It should be a good time. Browns Jets. First preseason game of the year. We're going to go? What do you think? Oh, yeah. We should make that a trip. Oh. I think that should be a trip. All of us need to go. At least. Well, at I just need to figure out what men. hotel Aaron Rodgers is staying in, and then we can make it a trip. <laughs> 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 Come out <of> hiding, Bilbo. <laughs> so I do have one other Browns topic. Have you heard them talking about this uh, new stadium? You heard any kind of inklings about this? There's so much rumor and uh, talk about what it could possibly be. Because the Haslam's obviously are going to ask Cleveland to extend the syntax and the NFL is going to cover some of it, but most of it's going to be on the Haslam's to cover the foot. They're going to have to They're going to have to foot the bill. The Haslam's are trying to buy the land next to the stadium like that. All that lakefront property. They're trying to buy that whole lakefront. You know what that tells me, Tommy? That tells me they're trying to build a dome. What do you think about a dome for the Browns?
1: That yeah, it lends itself well if you're gonna go to a Kenny Chesney concert or something. But I don't think the Browns are gonna be making any use of a donut.
0: <laughs> I think that's the. I think that's, that's what the idea. Months. They want to be able to use that facility for more than just what ten times a year, eleven times a year. You know, like they can't really schedule concerts there because of the outdoor elements that are involved. You know, what if you get a downpour in the middle of July? You don't know what could happen in Ohio. So even concerts are at the subject of weather cancellations. If you build an indoor facility, you could not only host events year round, but you could host like final four events. You could host the big 10 championship. You could host all kinds of different events inside that arena. The possibilities are endless, especially if they were to build what they're talking about building, which is like basically a village around the stadium. To make it kind of similar to what they have in Minnesota, what they have in Indianapolis, because of their small I, cities, their smaller communities, they've made it more of like an entire experience around the stadium, as opposed to like making you sprawl out and go to the different areas of the city. They bring you, they bring all the experiences around that stadium, and that's what I think the the Haslam's are looking into. So I I, I would be pretty interested in. It. I think it'd be pretty cool.
1: I've seen a lot of people uh, talk about, especially in the music industry, about having the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame just might as well put itself on wheels and uh, follow the acts because a lot of touring acts don't come to Cleveland. And I don't think it was just Cleveland in general that a lot a lot of uh,
0: tours no to kind of
1: skip. I mean, yeah, remember when you schedule touring, it goes in little pockets. And yeah. these days, even more times than none, you know, a lot of touring acts, they'll schedule to a stadium. And then in that shot, they'll schedule the smaller venues en route to that stadium. That way they can, you know, hit all those, all those venues rather than go up to Cleveland, play the, the you know, exactly. play the uh, Rock, Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse and then go to the Detroit Little Caesars Arena. I mean, like a lot of times, you know, you can lose your ass on those. But if you have a dome stadium to where you can have these acts play there, sell out, you know, again, it brings a whole nother aspect to your touring acts, you know, music scene. Hell, even WrestleMania could be at the uh,
0: <laughs> it could be at the Browns Stadium. That'd be something. Well, and it can help <laughs> justify the expense of building such a large facility if you br- if you bring more than just that facility. You bring the village aspect into it. You bring the different shops, the different restaurants, the different, you know, different places where people could, you know, intermix and, you know, enjoy themselves, do different things around the stadium that doesn't just involve football, uh, but that's activities you could do before the game, make it an entire day experience. And, you know, if the the Haslam's own all of that, they're benefiting from all of that. And then they make that an experience that you can do during a concert as well. I mean, it just uh, to me, it. It makes a lot of sense, especially for Cleveland. You know, like they need something like that. There's no place, like you said, when there's a major tour and they're coming through the area. There's no place to play in Cleveland, so that would make a lot of sense to me. But we'll see where it goes. I don't know. What do you think, Greggy? You want a dome?
2: I mean, either way is fine with me. I like the cold weather, tough football city stuff but i also don't like freezing my ass
0: off when i'm there so yeah (laughs) i mean it would make honestly when they're loot when they're you know i hate saying shit like this but when they're five and ten and it's a december game it would honestly be packed with Browns fans, it wouldn't matter. You know, like when we go up there during a December game and they're five and 10, there's barely anybody there because it's freaking negative three with wind chill and like nobody wants to sit out in that shit. But if it was nice and it was a controlled environment, shit, they probably packed that place. It'd be sellout <laughs> crowds every weekend.
1: I think there should be a study in correlation to the uh, poor. NFL fan, and I'm not talking about like the ones that put up with the drudgery of cheering on a team like the Browns, or the Lions, or shit like that. I mean, like fiscally poor to where you know the people that get to afford to go to the uh, Cleveland Browns game. I sat there and I calculated, especially after the Browns beat the Bengals on Monday Night Football, I was like, "Oh my God, I can't believe they—that's what it's like to win in prime time, baby. That was awesome." And I kind of did some calculations. And I was like. You know, now I'm like, now I'm uh, 2 and 29 at the Browns First Energy Stadium <laughs> <laughs> lifetime. And I thought about it, I was like, you know, that could probably be a lot higher if you actually uh, went to games that, you know, where somebody tried to discard <laughs> at last minute. Like, God, the Browns are terrible. Oh, they have These awful. tickets for 50 bucks. They are they're
0: just stupid enough to go. Well, with enough JD, I'm stupid enough to go. <laughs> Well, I mean, we've all been there. You know, those end-of-the-season games where, hey, I don't really want to go to this game. I got season tickets. This isn't one of my games. I really don't care. But here, you go ahead. You guys go. Here, I got a couple extra tickets. I got some parking passes. We've been there before, boys. Remember that? Cousins Christmas? That was fun. (laughs) I mean, yeah,
1: there's a difference between going to the tailgate and, (laughs) you know, the the big games where there's just a big-ass sausage, Polish sausage with some kraut and everything on it. And all sorts of yummies going on in the Mooney lot. And then there's, there's the games steak. I go to. Give me one there's of them games I go to. Where, like, you guys are yeah. sharing some uh, sauce Verde dip. from Yeah. And <laughs>
0: chips. And I'm like, yeah, this is a great time. Good <laughs> stuff. So Smoked you wanted to talk about WrestleMania, right?
1: You can talk about WrestleMania, that's a big thing going on.
0: Yeah. That I like. Next, I do like uh, to talk about WrestleMania. Uh, what's What's the story not the Saturday, this year? but next Saturday? What's the storylines this year for those of us who haven't been paying attention lately? Uh, you and Greggy can kind of talk a little bit about this. What's going on with this year's WrestleMania? I mean, that's the next big event, right?
1: Yeah, I think uh, since it's kind of crazy to believe. Also, you know, you look back at your memories around this time. We're about three years removed from the pandemic. And you're still trying to just get a little more sense of normalcy. But uh, in terms of wrestling, you know, there was a lot of people, even the lapsed fan who just kind of were uh, watching wrestling just because it was a habit for them on Monday night. You know, during the pandemic, I think a lot of those people fell off, including myself. You know, I could probably tell you, count on one hand, how how many episodes of Monday Night Raw from 1993 to 2020 I probably missed. Yeah. But, you know, up to that point, you know, when they emptied the arenas, you know, the fans are more than uh, three fourths of the entire uh, show. You know what I mean? Like as For much sure. as people try to focus off of it, you know, the fans are as much part of the show as the uh, action going on in the ring. It's what the wrestlers kind of uh,
0: they feed off of that. Get,
1: yeah. That's kind of how they create their art. Yeah. You know, it's feeding off response, playing, you know, ring psychology. But uh with that, you know, when you lose that aspect of it, it's it's a tough sit. It really is. It takes some, you know, great athletes to kind of be able to remove the entertainment aspect of it and then strip it down to its core. You know, the technical technical aspect, which I kind of enjoyed in a way during that time at the Raymond James. Uh, We're supposed to be WrestleMania at the Raymond James Stadium. They did it inside the uh, Thunderdome thing at that time, they did the first matchup between Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair at that time, which I was pretty excited for. But now, fast forward to uh, this year, you know, Rhea Ripley wins the uh, Women's Royal Rumble, which gives her a shot to face whatever champion that she chooses at WrestleMania. And this instance, uh, a returning Charlotte Flair, who came back and appended Ronda Rousey for the uh, Women's Championship, now, oh, cool. Rhea Ripley, a couple years more into her uh, career, she's really found her footing. You know, they're going to have that rematch. And, you know, some people who have really uh, enjoyed that bloodline storyline with Sami Zayn and the Usos and Roman Reigns, you know, the main, one of the matches is uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens against the Usos for the Tag Team Championships. A lot of people felt that should go on last. But, you know, I believe Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair probably will go on last on
0: night one of WrestleMania. I think everybody wants to know, though, about this uh, Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul match, though. I mean, what's going on with that? Tommy's like, I don't give a shit about Logan Paul. (laughs) No, no, no. I like Logan Paul a
1: lot. for For a guy who's had three matches, You know they're probably the best damn three first three matches of any wrestler I've ever seen, but at the same time, I think uh, some of the uh, people who've called him out, even Seth Rollins, you know, yeah, you can have three three great matches when you have Shawn Michaels (laughs) as your trainer, doing one-on-one time with him, being able to kind of learn as you go, and you know you got some hell of a teachers down there and NXT helping you along. But you know it takes two to tango, and uh, the Paul brothers are just—they're those type of guys who give them enough rope, and they'll hang. You know, you know the expression. <laughs> I don't want to talk about them because they—they might go. They might have flashbacks of walking through jungles of Japan or something like that. <laughs> but uh, you know, the Paul brothers again—they—they they can't help themselves. And I think Logan Paul turned himself heel just with his. Just with his presence, again, like, again, uh, WrestleMania is a sacred <clears throat> spot to get on. You know what I mean? Right. Like, a lot of guys, it used to make their entire year as far as the payoff was concerned, so you worked your ass off to get involved into a storyline that got you on that card. So even to today, you know, not so much the superstars draw the event, self-draws, but a lot of guys who are in that old-school mentality kind of resent a guy like Logan Paul who's just... Stepping in there and being able to have a spot against a guy like Seth Rollins. And, you know, if there's anybody that could have that type of match with Logan Paul, it's a guy like Seth Rollins who definitely, uh, he's been an MVP. It's just his cackling Joker-esque, whatever the hell his character was trying to be (laughs) is the worst thing of all time. It really is. It's just not doing it for you. It's like evil doink without the makeup on. It's <laughs> just like I think I, I watched a, I watched a little bit of Monday Night Raw to where he uh, interrupts Logan Paul and he's wearing some like Shania Twain fucking lace gloves with <laughs> leopard print and sunglasses and he's like <laughs> Logan. What the hell? And I'm just like, bro, like you want no me to fucking now. cheer for you. It's terrible. And that's uh, so how I was like, no, I don't write that match off. It's just, it'll be fun. <laughs> um, it'll be what it is. Right? You know, is, uh, is WrestleMania shaping up the way that I thought it was when they first announced it was going to be in LA? Um, I definitely don't think so. And one of the reasons being is a lot of people were kind of putting their money that The Rock (coughs) and Roman Reigns were going to do this storyline with the head of the table, the tribal chief storyline, you know, that bloodline feud. But at the end of the day, uh, in my honest opinion, you know, they talk about how much the WWE would need The Rock. But right now, I think The the Rock needs WWE. My boy Dwayne, he's had some negative press Especially really? with you know the uh you know, he he got a lot of heat with comic book nerds because he was trying to force his hand when he was doing Black Adam. Oh and he was cutting the Zachary Levi's cameos out of the movie to center the DC extended universe around himself and Henry Cavill Superman. Oh then once James Gunn kind of was put in charge of DC. They were like, you know what? We're going to kind of go a different direction. So a lot of this is coming out about the rock and how his attitude was towards trying to drive the DC universe in a certain direction. A lot of people didn't want it to go. <clears throat> then you couple that with the record low 200 and something thousand people for the XFL ratings this past weekend. Ooh, it's like,
0: Hey, I was watching. I wouldn't,
1: I would never have Dwayne Johnson or The Rock fatigue, but, like, man, he's a—he's uh, kind of burning the candle at both ends right now yeah. in all respects. So I would think a shot in the arm would be to get out in front of, you know, Hollywood and all the people and, you know, kind of get back into that, get back on the good side of everybody. Not that he's got any heat with, the, with Hollywood or people, but it is out there. Like, I... I don't really, you know, I'm not Mr. TMZ, but even I can smell it from here, Rock, and I can smell what you're cooking, brother. You know what I mean.
0: <laughs>
1: but in that stead, you know, I kind of love what WWE's done with the uh, build up to WrestleMania. Cody Rhodes coming over from uh, his ventures outside the company and start helping start AEW, and then kind of leaving them and coming back only to be super over and then get injured, comes back from injury. And it kind of reminds me of that Triple H story from 2001 when he came off the quadricep injury, came back, won the Rumble, and you know <clears throat> defeated Chris Jericho in a forgettable main event at WrestleMania 18 after they had to go on after Rock and Hogan. <laughs> Poor guy. Jeez. Have you ever seen that match?
0: Which one? The Rock versus Hulk Hogan in WrestleMania 18. Uh, I believe so. That was right after Hogan came back from WCW, right? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit after that. uh, That was not very good. Because Hogan didn't have very much stamina. Well, here's the thing. There's two trains of thought.
1: If you watch that match with the sound off, (laughs) it's the worst professional wrestling match you ever watched in your life. You watch that. Now, you watch that sound And you know, with surround sound, and you listen to those sixty-eight thousand people eat out of the hand of Hulk Hogan and The Rock for fucking twenty minutes. It's one of the best matches of all time. It, it really is. Just it's it's a masterpiece. It really is a like if I were to try to explain what professional wrestling is in an artistic form, or if I, you know, try to. Move somebody through the basics of what you're trying to uh, convey when you do a professional wrestling match. That's the fucking match you show.
0: Yeah,
1: (laughs) it really is the best
0: match, (laughs) one of the best matches of all time. But uh, I forget what we were talking about. WrestleMania. Yeah, we were talking about WrestleMania, and uh, you were talking about The Rock and needing, you know, his yeah Cody Rhodes. That's where we were. Cody Rhodes. Then you went to Cody Rhodes.
1: He comes back, wins the Royal Rumble, and uh, now he's punched his ticket to the main event against Roman Reigns. Who, man, I applaud WWE because it was a slippery slope getting Cody Rhodes to WrestleMania and keeping the fans behind them for the f- simple fact that, like, one of the reasons that kind of hooked me as a Laps fan back into watching was the Bloodline storyline with uh, Sami Zayn. And the Usos, which, again, for the uninitiated, Roman Reigns is the longest-reigning WWE champion in modern history, 950 days counting. Jeez. And, yeah, so, again, I mean, when you're talking, like, three days years. back in San Martino and Hulk Hogan would carry the belt for three or four years. That's crazy. He hasn't been pinned since 2019, and that's why a lot of people thought that The Rock would be the perfect matchup for that. But in the in the past year, you know, again, he's been flanked by his cousins, the Usos, who are the sons of uh, Rikishi. Which,
0: oh, that's cool. Yes.
1: So The Bloodline is kind of a story centered around the Samoan dynasty of professional wrestling with The Rock, you know, Afa and Sika, the wild Samoans, you know, uh, Thai Chief Peter Maya via Yokozuna. You know, again, when you go to Rikishi, who used to be Junior Fatu, who teamed with Afa Fatu and, you know, part of the so- Samoan SWAT team. I believe it's Afa that is Roman Reigns' father. No uh, shit. Rik- That's cool. Yes, and Solo Sequoia, the Usos are the sons of Rikishi. And in this rope, in this bloodline storyline, they're trying to tell that, uh, you know, the Usos are the tag champions. They, the Roman Reigns is the head of the table. He's followed up by the wise man Paul Heyman, who's the best manager in wrestling right now, and and has been for a long time. But with that, you know, these guys just kind of bask and uh, in their own greatness, you know, and that's kind of, they've run ruckshot over the WWE and Sami Zayn, who uh, was a heel at the time, kind of wanted to butter up to Roman Reigns and kind of get get the rub off of him to the point where it turned Sami into a good guy because people were just loving his antics with the bloodline to the point where (laughs) you know, Roman Reigns and the bloodline beat up his best friend Kevin Owens to the point where it was enough for Sami Zayn to turn his back on Roman Reigns and tell him that he didn't want to do his bidding anymore. So a lot of fans really wanted that to be the main event of WrestleMania, which I think WWE did a better job of doing the Elimination Chamber, which was WWE's last pay-per-view before WrestleMania. That actually took place in Montreal, Quebec, which subsequently was Sami Zayn's hometown. So they did this huge Montreal... You know, if my favorite thing about pro wrestling, especially in the late '90s, was when he uh, kind of had the American versus Canada storyline going on with Bret Hart, where was a good guy in Canada and he was a bad guy in the United States, <laughs> and vice versa. To where, like, you know, if you were a good guy wrestler and you came out, can- Canadians booed you, and if you were a bad guy wrestler, the Canadians loved you. <laughs> and I just always thought Canadian crowds were the uh, some of the best WWE crowds. So I watched that premium live event, the Elimination Chamber with Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns, and again for the Laps fans, that was a that was an incredible night for uh, WWE. So they do have a lot of momentum going on right now. Um, they were able to do that storyline, and they kind of made it to where Cody Rhodes is. His storyline is he's trying to finish his story of where he's the only road where no Rhodes has ever uh, held the WWE championship. That's the big thing. He's got a Dusty Rhodes has a picture of himself holding the WWF championship with WWF championship in 1979 in a match against Billy Graham in which they did the uh switcheroo where they thought Dusty had won the title, but that's the only t- picture they have of Dusty Rhodes. He, holding the WWF championship. And I guess Cody Rhodes had said that that picture was on the mantle at the Rhodes household. So Cody Rhodes is on this mission to do what his dad wasn't able to finish his story and become the WWE champion at the biggest stage of the mall. And, he's, you know, in his way is, you know, the tribal chief Roman Reigns, who has a historic run with the title. And it's just, it's good old-fashioned uh, professional wrestling, you know. Yeah. That's what—that's the stuff you you miss. The, the storylines write themselves to where even Roman Reigns kind of cut Cody Rhodes' past Monday with a scathing promo where he's talking about, yeah, every time you uh, run into adversity, you run away from it. You, you once were stardust. You didn't like that, so you left. Then you started a company with your buddies, and you couldn't get over in that, so you ran away. Then you came back. And then you got over in this company, but then your little pet popped on you, and you weren't (laughs) able to hold up because you're not built for this, like I am, you know. And it's just, you know, they just go back and forth to where it really is, it really is poetic in a way. I like. You can say what you want about script writers and stuff like that, but you can tell the guys that kind of have their own liberties, right, and able to kind of do their own thing, and that's kind of what you're getting a dose of in this build-up for WrestleMania.
0: But so that's kind, kind of, of like know, the most intriguing storyline. What do you think has the potential to be the best match?
1: Well, I'd have to think more about what the matches are because one of the matches is almost against Brock Lesnar, which is a seven foot four Nigerian like, like guy that moves like, like a tree trunk against Brock Lesnar. So that seven you know, that four? should uh, turn. Yeah, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a rough day at the office. <laughs> I guess I guess Brock Lesnar didn't want to work with Bray Wyatt. Or, you know that was the rumor, and innuendo, and then he didn't want to work with Lashley or something like that. To where you know it's gotten to the point where they're just putting this new guy in with Brock Lesnar. There's oh. no business being in that spot. I mean, I know no offense to almost or whatever, but yeah, he
0: poor guy. That is
1: not. So you got that match. You got. I talked about the uh, Usos against Kevin Owens and Sammy Zayn, who are recently reunited. I think that has the potential to be <laughs> probably one of the best matches at WrestleMania. Um, my pick for match of the night, because WrestleMania, I think WWE's did a great thing by splitting it up into two nights. Now I was kind of hesitant at first, but when you're watching almost an eight-hour WrestleMania on a Sunday from five to after midnight, it's it's a tough set. Yeah. And they learned that by, you know, exhausting crowds to where public transportation wasn't even available after uh, WrestleMania was over in New Jersey because it didn't end to like 1 a.m. So people were stranded <laughs> at, <laughs> were stranded after the show. So they've kind of learned their lessons. They split it up into two nights. So night one will have uh Night one will have uh A smaller card night two will also have a smaller card so again you get it in get it out and go home um i think what night one the main event will be rhea ripley and charlotte flair and i think uh (laughs) i think that will be the best match of night one okay
0: um, Greg, you think... got any input over here on this uh, WrestleMania thing? I mean, you've been, you've been keeping track, right? <laughs> I actually have not. No?
2: I, I watch a little bit here and there. Uh, I haven't kept up very much on it lately. But the bloodline storyline, dude, that stuff is too good. Like, uh, Yeah, um, um, that um, has
0: me intrigued, well, and I haven't like, been paying attention at all.
2: Well, it's like Tommy said, you know, uh, during the pandemic and stuff, a lot of wrestling fans fell off, and he was one, and I was one, because it's just kind of like it got stale. And, you know, it wasn't really capturing my attention anymore. Right. And then, yeah, as time went on, I would just keep seeing, you know, little reels and clips here and there on WWE, on Facebook, on Instagram about, oh, Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns, Sami Zayn this, Roman Reigns that. And I'm like, what is what is going on here? And, like, I had to check it out. Man, I, yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. It's so good. Like I can't. That's, like, the main thing that I'm looking forward to for WrestleMania, seeing how that storyline comes to an end or continues or whatever they're doing with it.
0: So how is Sami Zayn involved in the storyline so it's a match between Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns, but how's Sami Zayn worked into the storyline here?
1: Cuz Sami Zayn was a part of the bloodline and after the uh Roman Reigns left in the ultimatum of hit attacking Kevin Owens or showing his loyalty to Roman Reigns, he decided to uh turn his back on Roman Reigns.
0: No. Okay. That makes then, sense.
1: So then Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn, Roman gave Sami a shot at the championship at Elimination Chamber, and Sami Zayn was unsuccessful. Hmm. So it's like we talked about Cody Rhodes kind of encouraged Sami Zayn to finish his story and was kind of cheerleading Sami Zayn on his way to the championship. And hopes that the fans didn't turn on Cody and Sammy and kind of ruin the main event for WrestleMania. So they got past that <laughs> to where they're now able to focus more so on Cody and Roman. And Sammy kind of went off to do his thing with Kevin Owens and then the Usos. Which, again, is a, I don't really think is a consolation prize because the whole thing kind of really revolved around Jay Uso uh, ex- ex- acceptance of... Sami Zayn into the Bloodline, while Jimmy was, you know, dude, all, you know, g- best friends with Sammy. <laughs>
2: Nate, let me tell you this, man. They have a video that they've compiled that's called like the history of Sami Zayn and the Bloodline on WWE for their YouTube page. Ooh. Go check that out, dude. It, it'll pretty much run down everything you need to know, and like I bet you'll be interested in this
0: match, WrestleMania. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm gonna well, to go check that out for sure. You said that's, that's the that's thing on YouTube? about. Yeah. You know what else is on YouTube? part of Ohio sports, make sure you subscribe. Uh, but yeah, Tommy, you were talking about wrestling games. Greggy and I were talking about like, what do we want to talk about on the show? And you had mentioned that the, uh, the new WWE game just came out the 2k 23, right?
1: Yeah, I think Did you get your hands on that. Yeah. I have not. One of the things that uh just like with professional wrestling in general, the games itself have suffered, just because two K have really put their focus more so into their NBA line stuff like that, to where that's humming along pretty well. But uh, I think a lot of wrestling fans were kind of pissed at two K for not giving any. They basically gave you in two K twenty two the same game that they made you wait for for two years after the release of two K twenty, just without the bugs. So. Uh, now they came out, yeah. So that's you know so you, that's madden. where you kind of got to start at. You had WWE 2K twenty that came out in 2019, and that was your placeholder for WWE games for about two two and a half years, while they tried to work the bugs out of whatever engine they were using to build the game. So then they came out with WWE 2K twenty two, which is basically just a bug free version of 2K20. I wish I said bug-free. That's being generous, too. (laughs) But now, WWE 2K23, it seems like not so much that they revamped the system, but they've added some elements and kind of stripped it back to where it's a little more simple to where, again, it's a lot more user-friendly. It's one of those games that, like, anybody like we talked about, the lapsed wrestling fan. Because whether we want to admit it or not, in Today's market, they really plug on the nostalgia button, no matter what it is, pop culturally. Oh, yeah. So a lot of times, again, hey, pick up a wrestling game where you can play as all these legends and stuff that you used to watch because nobody we got it's over. You know what I mean? I exactly. think John Cena's actually the cover athlete, and he's not. Well, he's active on the roster right now because he's going to be at WrestleMania. But again, you know what I, you know what I'm driving at? Yeah. Um, so with that. You know, they've kind of uh, added some elements to the game that you can just kind of pick it up and start playing if you're a Laps fan. Um, and then, you know, they'll get people that have been committed to that brand of game. They still kind of keep the similar controls, but a lot of features that are more online friendly, which I think a lot of people have been waiting for, because that's just the way things have leaned. Is a lot of people want to do online games with their friends. Wrestling games, I just haven't really been too friendly online in
0: my opinion. I would say wrestling games lend themselves to good old-fashioned 1v1. Let's sit in the room. Let's play a wrestling game together. That's the best way to play a wrestling game. Am I right? I mean, it's not really the best to play online because it's too glitchy sometimes. I feel like you get stuck with, I mean, even if somebody has good internet, it's still kind of glitchy. It still doesn't really work very well. I feel like the best way to play a good wrestling game is 1v1. And you were talking about, you know, just classics. And speaking of classics, what do you think are some of the best wrestling games of all time? Obviously, you can talk about 2K and this franchise as a whole. How many? They've kind of Five? taken over, they've kind of taken over the WWE, you know, video game world over the last decade or so but before that there was a lot of different wrestling games out there on the market and i'd say you know there was there was some really good ones back in the day that's when i was into wrestling when i was younger i remember the first game that i had for the for the nintendo 64 that wasn't madden was wcw nwo uh was it world tour i think was the first one and then Revenge yeah. was the second one. So I had the first one, the yeah. World Tour. Yeah, that one was uh man, that was a lot of fun.
2: Did you ever rake Sting's eyes until his face paint came off?
0: Uh yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh yes. Absolutely. Yeah. That was one of my favorite things about the game. There's there's so many different like little Easter eggs about those games. But what I loved about World Tour was the roster.
2: Yeah. Like because it was World Tour, there was it was so just many a huge roster from all over the place. And then you had Fake Sting, that was always cool. Oh, yeah. I loved it when they had more relevant things that were current to the time in the game. La Parka. <laughs>
1: I mean, that is interesting that they would actually have wrestlers that were, you know, you're in the, you're in the infancy of the internet to where there would be names on there that you wouldn't recognize unless oh, you yeah. had, like, the, the wrestling magazines and stuff like that. So it was, man, it was such an... <laughs> The, the the internet boom was such an awesome time to
0: really live in. Oh, for just because sure.
1: you still had, you were still grounded into the real world, but you could escape into, you know,
0: a, a limited amount of a uh, internet space if you were patient enough. Oh man, speaking of like, just imagine how much how much it's evolved over the last twenty years. You know, like think about even ten years ago, I saw a meme the yesterday that said this was memes ten years ago, and it was like. This Like the penguin and like the, the frog In the middle of the for screen And like <laughs> the dumb shit we used to meme about You know back in like 10 Just just 10 years ago 20 years ago Shit we were memeing about some of the stupidest shit You couldn't even like It wasn't even They weren't even memes It was just us being goofy as shit Because we didn't know how to use the internet to it's full potential You know So I just think about yeah. all those games that were out Back then And I, I don't know. We used to clown a lot of those games back in the day, but that was all we had. I mean, now you literally have one game that you can play for WWE. As far as that, you know, back then there was at least two options that you had. You had a WCW and then you had a WWF option as well. So <laughs> I tell you what, I,
1: I would wear out the pages on a strat guide. Like, there was just something about back in the day when you would uh, buy a strat strat guide for you know uh, WCW Revenge and they would have like a bio bio of every single character and the rundown of their moves and you're just like from the unknown
0: uh, reaches of the world
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it's just God it was good stuff you know we talk about top five wrestling games I know WCW versus NWO Revenge. Definitely has to oh, be in that absolutely. discussion for sure. And like, I actually, uh, Greg, you'll be interested to hear this for a long time, even when I was a kid. I remember the cover of that game had Hawk Hogan, who was the head of the NWO Black and White or Hollywood Hogan, I should say, Goldberg, who was the face of WCW. Yep, Kevin Nash, mm-hmm. who was the NWO Wolfpack, and then Raven, who there again, Raven. <laughs> he was the head of the flock. He the head of the flop. The head of the but, flop. Even back, but even back then, like, I loved Raven, but I kind of was like, <clears throat> why the fuck is Raven on the cover of WCW Revent? <laughs> I guess in an interview that, or just a snippet off of Twitter i seen just like a year or so ago, I guess Raven was asked that question and I guess the guy that was the head developer or the creator of that game, his favorite wrestler was Raven. So he oh, brought God. him in to put him on the cover of the game. That's great. But I guess, <laughs> I guess that's the reason why Raven's on the cover of that game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's good. You know, another one that going, was really good, WrestleMania yeah. 2000. That was probably one of my favorites. That was, like, one of the first ones where you could customize a lot of things, like the entrance theme and, like, You know, customize your own wrestler, make him come out and have his own kind of character, persona, that kind of thing. I don't know. That was the customization in that game was to the next level.
1: I agree that uh, WrestleMania 2000 was a nice placeholder. Because in my opinion, it goes revenge.
0: No mercy was, you know.
1: Yeah. Then you go into the WWF, you bring that, you port that over to the WWF. And they don't really change the game too much. Yeah. They kind of just give you the WWF version of the predecessor. Then you go into no mercy. Then you just like, oh, That's
0: a whole new ball game. But that is, oh, that's cream of the crop right there. That's a great game.
1: I'd have to say that's my number one.
0: Yeah. Okay. No well, mercy. So let's, Again, let's go through this top five. You were talking top five wrestling games of all time. Let's go. Tommy's top five. What do you got? Number one, you said No Mercy.
1: Let's go five to one.
0: All right, so five to one.
1: So number five on my list would be WCW versus NWO Revenge. All right. And then number four for me. Would probably have to be WWE SmackDown versus Raw. Then number three.
0: That's a good would one. have to
1: be WWF. Here comes the pain. All right. Num- number two. I can... I. This can be split into two answers, and I'll justify why.
2: <laughs> number two
1: is WWF Royal Rumble or WWF Raw for the Super Nintendo. The reason why I say you, you can switch either of them out is because it's the same damn game. It's just one of them's a year later where it's WWF Raw, and you have a chair and a bucket you can hit him with. And the ref quits if you beat him up enough
0: <laughs> to
1: where he just throws his hands and he leaves. And then it's like a notice qualification <laughs> match. That game was, God, that game was awesome. But yeah, WWF Royal Rumble 19 for Super Nintendo. Um, not the Sega Genesis one. Nope. Sega Genesis one does have Hulk Hogan on
0: it, though. Yeah, well, obviously we can't do that then. But uh so you got no mercy, and then WWF Royal Rumble or WWF Raw for the SNES. Then you got WWF Here Comes the Pain, WWE Smackdown versus Raw, and then WCW versus NWO Revenge. That's a fucking solid list, Bubba. That's that's I that's pretty so. well done. I like that. Yeah. Greggy, what you got?
2: Man, it's so hard for me to try to rank them. Like, I got. Yeah. It's pretty much gonna end up being the same, pretty much as Tommy's list because every game that I've ever played has been with Tommy. Yeah, so, like, it's never been like I went out on my own wrestling adventure or anything like that. It's always been, uh, you know, Cash Hall and Greggy Cool St. Gregory, whatever you want to call him, as he progressed throughout Saint the years. St. Gregory, oh yeah,
0: that's it. <laughs> just no, the first, epic the rivalry. first.
1: The first created guys were uh, the boxer, Greg Ken, like the dog. And I was the Bulldog. I was the Bulldog Tom Paul. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. The <laughs> Bulldog and the boxer. OG WCW, fresh out of the power plants. Our career begins. <laughs> All right. Sorry for interrupting. What were you going to say? Number five.
0: What do you got? We got Greggy.
2: Oh man, I was just—I said I was just gonna match Tommy's list.
0: Just gonna match yeah. it. <laughs> yes, I. Heard. He's like, "Yep, sounds good. That's I like that. I, That's I good." I mean,
2: it's not even really—if I sit here and think about it, it's not gonna change anything, so
0: Honestly, the, the, you, games, you guys though. don't have any two K games in there. I noticed that. I noticed the trend. That's because they haven't been good. They haven't been good. There they, hasn't been one two K game that you liked.
1: Some of them been good. Two K. 14 one of whatever one stone cold steve austin was on the cover of that one
0: was pretty good okay honestly <clears throat> i never played here comes the pain so i can't put that one up there but both of those ones for the snes were like they had to be on there somewhere for me because i had <laughs> royal rumble and i probably logged so many hours on that game as a kid i just
1: had such a beautiful memory <laughs> Like, oh man I remember, like I said, I can remember so much.
0: And like all the different characters in that game, doing the Royal Rumble. And, ah, man, that was just, that's, ah. You talk about memories right there. I can remember this. Right now I'm smelling the basement as I'm playing the game right now in my head. You know, like.
1: (laughs) So in Tiffin, they used to be uh, over by the IGA, there was a little brown building as you went down one hundred one. It was a videos, uh, oh. like video store. Dude. And when I was a kid, I remember I had rented a uh, super uh, a Nintendo copy. There used to be a pizza one.
0: place right next to it, didn't there? Um, it was across the street from where the BMV is now. Right? That was
1: can That was that used. <laughs> God. That used to be, at that time, that used to be the Dark Horse Saloon or yeah. something like that. Or Resident Greggy?
2: Yeah, it had a weird name. <clears> like <throat> The that. Red Horse.
1: The, the Dark Red Horse or something like that. I think like it was that. the Red Horse. But if you want, and then it turned into Cameo Pizza eventually. <clears throat> but uh, before that, like I said, there was a rental place that you could go to. And I remember getting that Super WrestleMania game.
0: I remember Kelly's Northtown. Renting games, that was, a, that was a whole town, time. That. that was a good old video renting place right there. <laughs> What's that? Kelly's Northtown. Oh, yeah. That one? God, that was a good place, too. Uh-huh. <laughs> Southside video, that was a good one. He always had the good games, I feel like. There was a few of them that were good for videos, and there was a couple of them that were good for games. That was the one how that about, I always remember was good for games. How about what this? Was the one did you... There was one as you were going out of town on uh, 101, right before you. That's get, what I'm talking about. Right before you get to the junkyard, that little that, it's yeah. Like that's a what I'm now. talking about. Okay, so there was another one that I'm talking about, right there by the old BMV, right there by where the BMV is now, but across the street where you're talking about. But fuck, you um, used to be able to rent videos inside IGA. Oh yeah, for sure. They, like I remember right the farm. Have, like Valentine's Day cards and shit next to it. You remember the farm where you used to be able to rent videos inside there? Oh yeah. They had some pretty good videos all the way up until the very end, man. We're going back. We're going back. But, uh, back. <laughs> they uh
1: how about this? Do you remember where do you remember where uh AJ's had a second location down by the old BP? Do you remember that?
0: Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. It's some well, kind even of like, like crystal place now. You can go in there and buy rocks and crystals and plants and stuff. Yeah. Even uh, well,
1: if you go across the street, you can buy rocks there too. <laughs> <laughs> <You know?
0: laughs> oh damn it, Tommy! There's a type of rocks, crystals and rocks and everything. Yep. <laughs> damn it. Uh, Way back in the nineties, that
1: used to be a video (laughs) store called BR Video. That fucking place was good too.
0: Hell yeah, yeah. Back to the list. Back to the list. No, if if I had to put a list together, honestly, I would put uh, WCW versus NWO Revenge has got to be towards the top for me. Um, and then the uh, what was the one? Probably yeah, no mercy is probably right up there at the top of the list. But I don't know how to put them in order honestly. When I think about like the order of how they need to go in, it's like shit. That's really hard for me. For me, the nostalgia factor is it goes to Royal Rumble. That's the number one for me because of the yeah. And just think yeah, about okay. just uh, yeah. It's just so it yeah. It makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside just thinking about that game. I yeah, guess I would say rainbow honorable mention. As, as the game loads up and it's like, ha ah, yeah, let's go. All right, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah,
1: that little rainbow thing. is like Ree.
0: yeah, and it's just like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. All right, let's go. Ready? <laughs> uh yeah, no. I think
1: about that type of stuff. If That's we good
0: stuff. if we had to put together a list, though, I'd say No Mercy was my number one. Uh WCW vs. NWO Revenge was probably my two. Or I'm sorry, Royal Rumble was my one. Revenge was two. No Mercy was three. And then I'd probably put like, I don't know. I never played Here Comes the Pain, so I don't know how good it is. But Smackdown versus Raw was a great game. I love that game. Yeah. I played that for PS2 all the time. Smackdown
1: versus Raw. Sorry.
0: Hey, Greg, yeah. he's a treasure. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Look at Greggy. He's a treasure. He can't see me. Oh, you can't see. Aww. Oh. I just wanted to come hang out, yeah. He just wanted to hang out with us. <laughs> so, we do have... Hi, kitty cat. We got about two more weeks, three more weeks until baseball season starts. What's your plans in the next couple weeks, Tommy? You got anything going on? Lots going on. Lots going on. When's the next MMA event? <laughs> Uh, I believe
1: BCM Promotions will be doing
0: they do the grapple uh, thing coming up here pretty soon, right?
1: Yeah, that's April 15th. Yeah, and then in May, we'll be make Mansfield Mayhem at the uh Mixed Martial Arts and <laughs> Arts and Crafts Center at the Richland County Fairgrounds. I think that's May 13th. So, that should be another doozy nice nice baseball season get here uh, hopefully you know schedule some monday wednesday type games but uh thank you know, those games are normal at like at 4 30
0: but yeah five o'clock I think, first pitch i
1: think the aaron Stires of the world and those type of guys they can have those chilly chilly calls
0: <laughs> tommy's like i paid my dues i'm good on uh, baseball. you guys have fun with that if you need me call me when the playoffs start okay no, 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 no.
1: no. I, like I said, I actually had fun. Our first baseball game we did, where we had a old Fort in Calvert and Calvert, oh, it, blus- was, it was a blustery
0: day. It was cold as shit that day, but it was a blast. That last season was so fun. Honestly, like when we covered baseball, I didn't know what we were getting into. We'd never done baseball before, but damn. By I, don't the end of it, a, <laughs> I don't think there's
1: I I don't think there had been a better
0: year of local baseball. In the area in like 10 years, for real. Right, and we picked the best year to start. It was perfect. So I'm pretty excited about this year. I know there's a lot of good teams in the area. So we'll be getting started sometime mid-April. Uh, look for our baseball schedule coming up here pretty soon. we will be dropping that as soon as we get that completed. Uh, we're just kind of finalizing the details on that. But in the meantime, we got our shows going on. And we're just kind of taking it easy. I got something going on this weekend. I'm going to see John Mayer up in Cleveland. I'm going to hang out up there. What do you guys got going on? Anything fun?
1: Where's he? Where's he, the mayor?
0: Uh, he's playing at uh, Romo Fijo, in the Rocket Mortgage Field House. Yeah, it's the solo tour. Chelsea got me tickets for Christmas, and uh, I was pretty excited about that.
1: I so. think I'm supposed to be recording some tracks of my own this weekend.
0: Yeah? Speaking of recording, uh, we're also putting together a little commercial here, fellas. Uh, putting together a script for a commercial. You guys, uh, what is it? <laughs> Greggy's like, who? Me? No? Not,
1: not. <laughs> I sent you my feedback on that.
0: I did. I got that. And that's good stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty excited about feedback. some other stuff we've got going on. What do you, what do you got? I mean, obviously you've got a lot going on with the family life. I've seen uh you know you post pictures of uh your daughter.
1: Oh,
0: no, not at all. No. Nothing going on. <laughs> what,
1: what family? No, you, no daughter. family, nothing. No family. No, I, I mean as recently I came man in the toy room.
0: I've just been noticing my boys are getting so damn big, dude. Like Isaac just turned fourteen. Gabe's gonna turn seventeen tomorrow. Bailey'll be nineteen in two months. It's like, dude, time time flies with kids. And when you post pictures of your little daughter, and like I see pictures of her, I'm like, damn, dude, she's getting so big. Enjoy it, Bubba. I'm telling you right now, enjoy every every minute of it because it goes so fast. Like you don't think it does because you're in the middle of it, but damn,
1: I think. It's been such a uh, – it's been a tough gap. It really has been uh, coming into the 30s, especially like we talked about with the uh, fuzziness that has been the past since 2019 to now it's just been a blur. And then when you really, like, look at it in retrospect, it's like, God, you just lost such a huge chunk of time. Yeah. To where a lot of people aren't going to know what normalcy was in there, like, you know – there's, there's some kids that were like 14 who went through like three and a half years of like strange high school experiences and those kids are going to carry that with them, you know, into this next generation. And
0: when you it's, think about it's, it's, the kind of society that we were already becoming to that point where we were starting to get into, you know, people spending more time at home with the Netflix and chill and not really going out, doing much, like not being, you know really friendly, not really going out to intermingle with each other much. And then you get the COVID, the pandemic, and everybody kind of hunkers down inside and everybody gets friendly with technology where they're, Hey, we have FaceTime. We can just FaceTime or, Hey, we can do a zoom meeting. We don't need to actually get together or, Hey, we have these different comforts of technology where we don't need to be face to face with each other. And that has led to, I feel like, over the last two years, a breakdown in society when it comes to just being able to interact with people one-to-one, like face-to-face. When you're actually one-on-one with somebody, people just don't know how to act anymore. Like, you see people going crazy (laughs) at big events or just people just being socially awkward when you try to interact with them. Trying to take an order anymore with some people is like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. I'm just trying to take your fucking order. Like, I'm not... I don't know. Sometimes people have gotten really weird since the pandemic. I feel like not everybody, but there's been just a, I guess, an increase in it. I'll say that.
1: I think it goes back to, again, we're entering an age where accountability and thinking for yourselves are kind of becoming obsolete. And to your point about, you know, even interacting in the simplest way, my wife gets in a car accident this morning. She's driving behind somebody and that person slows down. So in turn, she slows down. But the person behind Brooke does not slow down. So they try to maneuver and get themselves out of harm's way and in doing so clip the back end of her car. So what does uh, Brooke do? She kind of pulls over to the side and then she notices the person continuing on, on their way. So Brooke reacts to where she <laughs> chases this person down and kind of gets out in front of them and goes off to the side of the road. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, the woman is pulls over and it's on the side of the road and, you know, Brooke gets out of her car and oh. she asks the woman, <laughs> she's like, you know, wants to exchange information. The woman's got her car window rolled all the way up like, Bee! and she's like, I can't do that to Brooke. It's like, (laughs) what the fuck? Like, okay, so she calls the cops and, you know, instead of being able to actually just talk. You know, again, even when you have an accident, you know, I'm not the, I don't let cooler head prevail most times, but you can still come to your senses, but to try to hit and skip. And then when you're confronted, you just kind of barricade yourself in like, nope it's like look yes
0: not, now you've done
1: messed up you got no accountability for your act like what were you gonna do you're just gonna run off and be like "Whoop, oh, honey i fucking skipped the curb this morning on am way to work like
0: what
1: the hell is wrong with people it's like no accountability you can't yeah. think for yourself you know it's it's a uh You talk about our kids getting older. Sometimes I'm just like,
0: that's it. (laughs) That's it for me. I'm sorry to introduce the first one to this. Right? (laughs) Like, whoops, my bad. Didn't mean to bring you into this mess. But (laughs) I feel bad. Honestly, like sometimes I think about the world that we're living in, the world that my kids are growing up into. And it's like, man, I feel bad for bringing them into this world. I really do.
1: It's just hard. It's hard. It's just hard. It's hard for anybody to be on the same page and kind of come up with their own identity. Cause even when, you know, I, I drone on and on about thinking for yourselves, no accountability when we're actually part of that generation where the TV's telling us what's going on, where the newspaper's telling us what's going on. We just kind of have like a short sighted view to where all this information is being processed just by these media outlets that, we have access to, so even with movies, you know, we're able to communicate to each other and use references and kind of everyone. Everyone wants the same shit. Everyone right. kind of communicate in the same way to where jokes and everything were kind of real. You know, people were able to tell jokes to each other that like were passed down from person to person, and you just kind of now there's so much information to process to where like as a person raising a child like we're having a you know little mermaid party where it's like my daughter's maybe seen the little mermaid once won't sit through an entire Disney movie then catalog the catalog of great movies and children's movies that we grew up with kids don't have the attention span or don't want to watch that stuff to where they're missing out on what actual proficient writers and good storytellers are able to do with your imagination and also be able to convey storytelling and be able to, you know, pick up how a good story is structured and the lessons learned from that to where you got just a, a fountain of misinformation on the YouTube to where any derelict is making their own shows, making their own rules. You know, it's like, I feel like my daughter has a kids couple-
0: get older, though. I feel like as they get older, they start to gain a little bit of interest for the nostalgia or for, for just the, the classics, you know, like they want to see why that was so popular. Oh, what, what was the, you know, what led to people getting into that? Why do people get into that? You know, and then they end up pursuing that. And that's what I'm seeing at work with some of the younger guys I work with. They're talking about some of the stuff that they're getting into some of the movies that they're watching. (laughs) And I'm like, man, they're talking about movies that I, you know, to me, it doesn't seem like those are classics. It seems like those are like, oh, those are, that just came out a few years ago. No, they came <laughs> yeah. out almost 20 years ago. And, like, they're talking about them like, hey, I went back and watched, you know, this movie or that movie. And I'm like, that movie didn't come out that long ago. 2004, 2006, like, okay, I guess it did come out a while ago. Shit. like And then you talk about some of those classics, like the Disney classics. My kids would not sit through any of those at, when they were younger. But now, as they've gotten older... They start to watch some of that stuff just on their own. Like the, they have, they each have their own Netflix account. They each have their own, you know, whatever, streaming accounts for the different streaming services we have. And they watch I, all of that stuff. Like Isaac went back and watched all the old Rocky movies. Because he watched Creed. And he's watched the first awesome. two Creeds. So he wanted to go back and watch all the Rocky movies. Like it's just but isn't that, different things isn't that spur that, their interest to go back and watch the classics. I think that's what you need is you need these you know, newer movies that tie into the classics rather than just trying to remake a classic.
1: But in the in the way that it's not fair is you have a buffet now. So if like we watch Batman Returns, there are no other Batmans. Like this is it. No. back like you know when you're a kid, you watch that. You're like, all right, I'm just gonna watch this a million, a million times. But now you watch a Batman movie. I like that. Oh well, Timmy here. Here's. A catalog of 18 different more, more Batman movies for you to, to enjoy and then you just you know you're able just to ingest so much of whatever it is that you love that that's what I'm kind of jealous of right. but at the same time you know again you, there's so much out there that you're gonna miss and again anybody goes through that just like with books from our it's like how many books really have we missed out on Yep. just for the advent age of the internet television other things that held our attention to where you know we might have missed some of the classics and some of the greats to where once you get in college then you're studying humanities courses and you're going back and you're getting you know picking up some of that <laughs> literature but I don't know if that's so much the, <laughs> the mindset these days kind mean, of it's kind of but like Greg, you made a good point. We, uh, and us guys that are setting our ways too, you know, I watch a lot of the old television shows that I, you know, enjoyed and just kind of watch that on repeat. One of those being the Simpsons seasons one through 10. And I was telling, I was talking to Greg the other day. I forget what episode it was, but something happened in the episode. And I told him, I was like, yeah, I remember I remember when that aired, and they went to commercial break. Yeah, it was when Krusty the Clown he fakes his death because he's a tax cheat. So <laughs> in the episode, after his all of his stuff gets put up for auction, he takes his uh, plane that he bought with Dean Martin. I'm he on takes a off day. in it. Yeah, <laughs> and he wrecks it. <laughs> he wrecks it. To where, you know, everyone thinks that he's dead. And I'm telling Greg, I was like, yeah, man, I remember when I was a kid watching that and Chief Williams turns around and I was like, ladies and gentlemen, Krusty the Clown is dead. And then it shoots the commercial and you're just sitting there on your hands for two minutes like, oh my God, I can't look like, what happened? You know what I mean? That's,
0: some of that stuff is just. We don't have that now. It? No. You don't have any of that now. You have people who, I mean, I'll give it up for like The Mandalorian and like The Last of Us recently where these these shows are coming out one episode at a time, so it gets you talking in between episodes, but a lot of times what you get is, you know, like Stranger Things, that season four drops. People talk about it for a week it. and then done because they they watched all eight episodes in one night and then they talk about it for a week and then it's done and they move on to the next thing and it's like next and it just feels like that's the society we live in is everybody's like all right next what's next what do you got for me next what 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 do you got for me come on keep and it's like yeah we don't really appreciate the things that we have now or the things that are being created in the now in the present because back then we didn't have so many things at our disposal i mean think about it before when we were when things were coming you know coming up During the late 90s, early 2000s, what was there before that that we could really have for ourselves to enjoy? Like, as far as the kind of comedy that we like, the kind of games that we like, the kind of comic books, the kind of whatever. There really wasn't a whole lot to pull from. Now, there's 40 years worth of some of the stuff that we like that's out there for anybody to ingest and, and, you know, like that wasn't there when we were kids, there wasn't 40 years worth of this stuff when we were kids. So it's just a different society we live in now. And everybody's kind of got this throwaway attitude about even art and, and, you know, like just everything in general, it's got this kind of like, okay, well next, what have you done for me lately? Kind of attitude. And there was a lot more appreciation for it back in the day. I feel.
1: I couldn't imagine (laughs) The thought process or the feeling that uh, a younger person would have now looking at like the JCPenney Christmas catalog when you're seeing things that you don't get to see in the stores or stuff that you don't ordinarily like, oh shit, there's a, you feel like there's a whole nother world out there still. Dude, the Sears
0: catalog always used to blow my mind. Yeah. Like how big that thing was every year. And my grandma would have it sitting on her coffee table and you would just sit there and look through that thing and you're like, there's all these toys that I've never even heard of? Like, I remember the Lego section was like that damn thick in that thing. And you're like, I loved Legos. There was Lego sets in there. I still don't even remember they had, you know? Like, I bet Lego doesn't even remember they had some of those sets.
1: (laughs) I really, we, Greggy and I, we went to the toy (laughs) show in Columbus on Sunday at the Expo Center. And... As we go around there, you know, Greg, you will kind of nod me and be like, hey, didn't you have this random ass toy or this play set? Yep. And I'd be like, yeah, I did have that random ass toy or play set. And one of the things that got me thinking was like, what's your mindset? What's the thought process when you're a kid? And like, like, like there was stuff that I didn't even know I was interested in that I had when I was a kid that I... My, Why? Why did I have this random action figure from the Toxic Avenger? When
0: it would just spark your memory
1: when you saw it. Like, oh oh yeah, that's yeah,
0: I remember having that. You know,
1: yeah, that's half the battle of wanting to buy this shit again. It's like, oh, I had that. Then you buy
0: it, you're like, oh, now I have this again. What do I do with it, Greggy? Greggy likes toys. Greg, he was telling me about how he's walking around that convention with you, and he was like, I got better stuff than half these guys.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: And that's the thing, too. Is Greg, he's just kind of like, I can kick my parents in the ass wondering what happened to half this stuff because we see Castle Grey Skull and the, the Snake Mountain and shit, and I'm just like, isn't I just sitting out in my mom's shed right now? And these <laughs> jamokes are asking 235 bucks on it. For a He-Man uh, castle. I, I like, just remember,
0: bro. you know, I had, like, I was big into Legos, like I said, but I was also big into uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the, you know, late 90s or early 90s. I was big into yeah, the, the Turtles. Oh, really, shit, was early. And, like, I had the little van that would shoot pizzas I had the sewer where they would come up out of the sewer and like there was a little manhole cover on top and you like twisted this thing and they'd come up through the top of the sewer. Like it was cool shit. I had a bunch and all the movie ones. Remember how the movie ones were like, like rubbery kind of instead of being plastic like the other ones, the movie turtles, they were like rubbery and you could pull their arms off and shit. And like, I don't know. I had all kinds of different Turtles toys. That was my thing when I was a kid, when I was real young was Turtles. And then I got into Legos and all kinds of different toys. What was your thing growing up, Tommy? What what kind of toys did you like? I have a
1: Turtles uh, trauma story.
0: Turtles trauma (laughs) story. All right, let's hear it.
1: Yes. So I'm a young boy. It's probably 1992, 1993. My parents have a, a good friend that they worked with and her friend, has a daughter about my age. We go to this Halloween party, and uh, it was there was like a regular Halloween party for kids and whatnot. And then there was a adult Halloween party that I guess the teenagers stayed afterwards and whatnot. Anyway, the parents were out of town. I <laughs> am brought back home from this uh, <clears throat> Halloween party thing. Mm hmm. In the car and into my possession, I was probably being a fucking brat, crying about having to go home from the party or something like that. And I got my little Batman 89 costume on with the plastic <laughs> Batman mask that's cracked and shit. Couldn't fit on my big fat dome. But uh, what I remember is the action figures I had at that time was a Bebop and rock steady. And they were brand new, and like they had like flip and fold armor or some shit. No, I guess when I was playing with those, I remember that my brothers had come home from that party, and that they were all in trouble because I guess somebody at that party had jumped into a pool that didn't have any water in it, and it did not end too well for them. But I remember, for some reason, I remember that. <laughs> like, it's, it's all... <laughs> Every time I think about playing with the Ninja Turtles, I'm like, oh yeah. That's a horror story. (laughs) (laughs) But my favorite toys as a kid is uh, Ninja Turtles. Traumatic Turtles. Traumatic (laughs) Trauma
0: Turtles.
1: (laughs) I like them. I was big into Star Wars Legos.
0: Oh, okay. Uh,
1: yeah, Yeah, I do like the boba the, fett slave one i had that yeah they had uh millennium falcon oh the big, big, that was big, the one. Big one that was the one yeah the grail grail
0: yeah speaking of
1: grails <laughs> i don't know why i keep thinking of these random memories but do you did you get were you in the
0: gi joe as a kid uh not quite as much i, I my mom kind of kept me shielded from a lot of things that were related to guns She was anti-gun growing up. So it was kind of like, okay, all right, well, anything that had to do with guns, she was like, you can't watch that. But she was cool to be watching The Simpsons and South Park and all that shit. You know, she didn't care about any of that, but like.
1: So they had a, uh, when I was a boy, or now that I've, not grown up, but now that I've gotten older, I go, I'm on these toy groups and I see like these dorks posts like, holy grail items and stuff. Right. And I'm just like, God, I can't believe that's how much that's fetching. I remember we, my mother and I, we had went to the big thing in the 90s too were garage sales. And you get up early on Saturdays and like, God, they were just the town of Bloomville like shut down. Everybody would go out in their yards and have a big old garage sale. Right. And I remember I had went to a garage sale and there in the garage sale, Was a USS flag G.I. Joe. And for those that don't know what I'm talking about, it's like the huge battle boat. Like the huge, the huge one.
0: The big one. And
1: like, yeah, and you would open the lid.
0: Like the aircraft carrier. The the
1: aircraft carrier. And inside that were a shit ton of G.I. Joes too. And this is probably, like I said, probably the early run of it. So this is probably mid 90s. Those toys are probably 10 years old at the time or whatnot. But I just remember my mom, she gave that woman like 50 bucks or 25 bucks or something like that. And I, we, I lugged that big ass thing into the, her Dodge oh shadow. God. I held that in the back seat. Now I see online, you know, again, this was just, I wasn't even really into G.I. Joe, but I just wanted that huge <laughs> battle. These are going
0: for $100 now, man.
1: Oh, yeah. They're hundreds, hundreds of dollars, <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, "Yep." So like, we, I go to there and we just shake our heads. So I'm like, "Yep, had that. Yep, had that. Uh, oh shit, had that." Wow. And then these jamokes try to finesse you. <laughs> to think of all stuff. the
0: things that we probably threw away that were worth, that are now worth. <sniffs> Ridiculous amounts of money, but our parents said the same shit when they were our age. You know, like my parents were well, always he, saying shit like, "Oh, I throw away so much stuff." That's probably here's worth- the thing, though. What the hell did they have? Yeah,
1: like for real. When you think about, we're only a few generations removed from, you know, people wearing flower sacks and just, you know God,
0: eating, it.
1: eating like <laughs> splitting a can of peas. <laughs> You know, trying to survive the Dust Bowl. So, like, they yeah. have fucking toys and trinkets <laughs> and shit like that to collect and G.I. Joes to where, again, every generation it's kind of gotten geekier and just weirder as time's gone on. Like, I can't imagine a nursing home when we get older. You're going to have a bunch of tatted-up yeah. jabronis with earlobes hanging down to here trying <laughs> to be like, hey, Frank stole my limited edition sale bars from Return of the Jedi. <laughs> and then <they> just, <laughs> so it's like shit that didn't matter to our grandparents or parents and stuff, like materialistic things. do this complete jealousy. <laughs> They're just oh, yeah. jealous they didn't have that shit themselves. Oh, yeah. So now we're in this unique generation where we're able to recollect our childhood and it's just been big business for everybody. That's into that kind of collecting or reselling. Because if you really think about it, steel toys and stuff like that from the 40s and 50s, they ain't yeah. worth
0: shit. Yeah. I mean, At they are, but they're even... not.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: it's you don't like see very much of it around vintage... anymore.
1: Yeah, it's like vintage He-Man and vintage mm-hmm. this and Ghostbuster toys and shit. I'm just like, God, I can't yeah. believe how much money this shit's worth. The firehouse from the Ghostbusters toy that Greggy had, that fucking thing's a holy grail item too.
0: <clears throat> it's crazy to Greg. think some of that stuff. And like the value that it that's attached to it now, It's it almost feels like, you know, I, I guess if somebody's willing to pay it, you know, whatever, it's worth what someone's willing to pay. But I don't know, man. I feel like during <laughs> COVID, a lot of this stuff got inflated. Like a lot of the value on some of these collectibles really got inflated during COVID because everybody got all that COVID money and they were sitting around and they were like, Hey, I'm going to collect this random thing. I'm going to start collecting this. And now all of a sudden, you know, because it's a niche item, these things are more expensive, whatever. I don't Right.
1: Know. And just these like repopulated toys like that came out a few years ago
0: or like Pokemon cards. Like what the hell happened with Pokemon cards? When the hell did they get big again? Like, they were big when I was, like, younger. When Okay. Yeah. And then they just puttered out and nothing happened. Like nobody was into them for, like, 10 years. It was a good 10 years. People were not into Pokemon cards. Even when Pokemon Go first started. Remember, Greg? Nobody was into Pokemon cards. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, kids are trading them at school, getting in trouble for them and shit. Like, what is going on with Pokemon cards? How did that all of a sudden now oh, become yeah. way more popular?
1: I home. think it's just I just think it's kids catching on to something and then it they go down that wormhole again. It's just crazy. I don't know. Greggy can't relate because you know his toys were never worth anything <laughs> for some <laughs> reason. He was never That's allowed horrible. to have any accessories or shit. <laughs> on, <laughs> on any of his toys. <laughs> oh ghostbusters just car with no doors on it. Stop. Well, you're going to lose it anyway, Greg. So I figured I'd just save you the hassle so your father doesn't step on it. No. Thanks, Mom. It
0: kind of sounded, honestly, when I was younger, I was, well, really young. I was like three or four or five years old. My grandma said that, like, I had this infatuation with junkyards for some reason. I went to the junkyard with my grandpa a couple times and I became infatuated with the junkyard. And so, like, I would take my cars, Matchbox cars, and I would leave them underneath the, of her tires so that when she left for work, she would run them over, and then those became my junkyard cars. She's like, I would buy you brand new Matchbox cars, and you'd take them out and lay them underneath the tire of my car so I'd run them over, and then I'd have these piles of junk, junky cars, so I'd try to throw them away, and you get mad at me. Oh, that's my junkyard! And it's like... You know, I, I got into stupid shit when I was a kid. Did you ever do anything stupid like that? Like, I mean, just destroy some of your own shit? Like, I think about some of the stuff that maybe, like, one of those cars might have been worth a bunch of money. And I just like, ah oh, whatever, throw it under the tire, smash it up. Like, you ever think about shit like that? Like, what, what, what you could have broken back in the day that probably is worth thousands of dollars now? Because you're just I'm like, whatever. Sure. I'm playing with it. I'm
1: pretty it. sure. I'm pretty sure when Brooke saw my uh my uh pile of cars out in the parking lot and sitting there spot I said the same thing, that's
0: my junkyard. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing to about- <laughs> That's my junkyard.
1: <laughs> but uh,
0: <Damn> it. <laughs> I got to get rid of them cars. That's my junkyard. That's <laughs> <laughs> my junkyard.
1: <laughs> but That's no, funny. dude, I didn't get to voluntarily break my own shit. You can attest test too. I would get a brand new toy being the baby of the family. And my brother would catch a glimpse a glint of the toy in the and sunlight and somehow. Oh, yeah. And he'd walk up. Oh, we got here? Oh, man, that's pretty cool. Too cool for a piece of shit. <laughs> okay. Break it. Smash.
0: <laughs> oh, that was my toy. Ha!
1: <laughs> Quit crying, bro. Quit crying.
0: <laughs> but, like, <laughs> God, that's too funny.
1: Why would you just tear the arm off of it for no reason? <laughs> like my, like and there's no repercussions. It's like nope. I tell my dad or whatever. It's like if I was the dad in that situation, I'd be like, hey, you son of a junior son of a bitch. I just bought that 20 fucking minutes ago for $30. <laughs> and your dumb ass comes in, it rips the goddamn arm off of it for what? For what? Prove <laughs> <For> the <a> point. <laughs> Just a I my head. I patched my <laughs> head, bro. Hey, did you ever find the leg to this? Did you ever find yeah. the legs to this? it was, fucking, it was snapped off a bit. There's no leg to be found. <laughs> That's why all the toys probably got thrown away. Jesus, uh, this was therapeutic. Very <laughs> therapeutic. We live in Turtle Chama. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Transformer transfers a punches. PTSD from t- Turtle Trauma. <laughs> Look at Greggy hanging out in the turtle van.
1: <laughs> Emotions in a hat cell, <laughs>
0: turtle trauma.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Tommy is
0: <laughs> Tommy's cool, but rude. <laughs> When uh, you guys need to, you know, you guys should do your own show one time where you guys just play Fortnite and talk shit and just like have a show where you just talk shit and play Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, well, quickly cancel show. And quickly cancel show. <laughs> 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 that's a, that's I, the one for just Patreon. How about that? We need okay. one where we can just do like just straight podcasts that are only for Patreon. Where we don't have to worry about getting canceled. We can do whatever the fuck we want.
1: Yeah, I, I think like the only time Greggy and I could stream is if we were at
0: like Joe Rogan's cancel club or whatever <laughs> comedy story he's got now. I mean if guys but, like uh, Tom Segura can make it and like he can get away with some of the shit he gets away with, <laughs> come on, man. Like Well, we I really mean my canceled? wife's
1: unfunny too, so I mean I'm halfway there. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man, he's coming for you now. Oh, Can't Fuck
0: them. Well, hey Bubba, you want anything else you want to talk about? It's getting kind of late here. <laughs> no, nah, I mean it's not late. It's like ten thirty. I figure out. No, we've been on for
1: up. over. Not how long we've been going, Greg?
0: I think it's been about two hours now, right? Uh, hour thirty-four. Hour thirty-four. Okay, very very nice. That's been fun. That's buddy. what I said. We need to do this anytime. More often. Yeah, anytime
1: you just want <clears throat> to shoot the shit. I mean, uh, there's a lot that has gone on in our lives, and like we talk about, as you get older and you become more of a career person or a professional. Luckily, I've been blessed in my life to be able to follow some passions to where I've met people who've been able to come along on the journey with me and you know, i even like with Greg yep. joining me and us working together at the newspaper and then transitioning that into radio and into what we're doing now to the point where it's like, it's one thing to do something that you're passionate about. And it's another thing that to get paid for it. That's right. And like, as, as great as that is sometimes you lose out on really like I I've known you for over a decade. and like, Really, I know you more professionally than I do uh, anything personally. Like, I don't know right. your backstory. We never really get to deep dive into our, you know, histories or talk about the shit because we're so busy putting everything else and everybody else over that we never really get a chance to kind of know, you know, who exactly is ahead in front of us. So it's it's good to kind of just kind of hang out. And, yeah, You know, a paycheck's always nice with it, but it, again, <laughs> it's like – I, that, that just comes naturally when you're doing good stuff with, you know, people that are trying to you know, have the same vision as you. So, I mean, it, it turned into a, a passionate project that with friends just kind of turned into a paid mm-hmm. gig eventually. And, uh, you know, it's nice, nice to kind of step back and kind of breathe for a minute rather than be on all the time.
0: Yeah, for sure. And honestly, like I
1: say, I think this is the first time I've guested on a show ever.
0: <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I thought, you know, with the way we've been doing what we've been doing, I think you have found your niche and found your way to contribute in a way that, honestly, I didn't know that you would. Because with you moving to Delaware, with, you know, the change happened for you at the same time that the change happened for us, where we kind of were diving full like all the way in with this and saying all right this is what we're gonna do you made the change and made the move right around the same time man so i didn't know what to expect from you as far as what you know what you were going to contribute and honestly i've always looked at it like anything we get from you outside of calling the games is a bonus we i love anything we can get because i mean anytime we can sit down and uh talk whatever talk knowledge talk some shit you know talk sports, whatever. I cherish these times, Bubba. Like, I really do. I think we, well, even, we create some golden even content this, uh, together.
1: Even this jabroni setup is like, you know me. It's like, I don't want to do anything unless it's up to the, up to snuff and up to oh, standards. Yeah. So, I mean, even this is below par. But, again, you know, it's it's been too long coming. I Sometimes you just want to start doing things and... I'm at a point in my life too where again it's like you kinda you kind of re reassess and kind of set the table again reset the board because again uh, it's just kind of doing the same thing for the last 10 years it goes by in a blink of an eye and then you just kind of become complacent so I'm trying to trying to roll into some other things and grab. Yeah. Grab life by the short hairs again and try to do, do more with my days like we talked about with Greggy. Like old Tommy would never know about a toy show twelve hours in advance and <laughs> still go to it early in the morning. You know, it's just sometimes you just gotta will yourself anymore. You know. Oh, so it's absolutely. good to.
0: Yeah, sometimes it's you just to just gotta come get on the here and go. Ain't that right, Greggy? <laughs> yeah. What's that? <laughs> Sometimes it's got to get in the van and go. <laughs> speaking
1: of speaking of accidents, before we get out of here, it's like I've never really been in too many, and he's talking about getting in the van and go. It just reminded me of when Greggy and I were one of the first times that I had uh, dabbled in the devil's lettuce. Oh, God, we Hi, went, here we go. We had went Watch watched Mission Impossible 3. I just never, never forget driving home. <laughs> He looks at me, and this person's coming out of the Circle K parking lot, and he's just like, this person's not going to stop.
0: I go, what? <laughs> They're not going to
1: stop. He puts his brakes on, and that car just goes,
0: right into oh. us. And
1: I was like, I, I didn't know that could happen, bro. Oh. But when good. that happens, it's like, sometimes it's unavoidable, <laughs> and that's what... uh
0: he said, Get in the van. For some reason, I thought that's what you were. To.
2: <laughs>
0: that's what came to your mind right away. <laughs> yeah. It's, they're not going to stop. It's coming right for us. All right, Bubba. Well, hey, Poor I'm going to. Poor Greg, you using go.
1: Chris Walker's roommate as a counterweight for his van. I don't know oh, which God
0: damn
1: <laughs> Chris, get in the van. Get in the back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is a real world drive band we need, the, uh, we need the on that note I appreciate you thanks for coming on with me tonight Bob it's been yeah. a blast Tommy Cash TC
1: and Greggy and his friend TC <laughs> traction control
0: tons of fun hmm <laughs> traction
1: control. you got something Oh, all your shit there
0: you got something i hear right here <laughs> <laughs>
1: All All right, Bubba. Later on. We'll get another show going. Oh, yeah. Later. Take it easy.
0: All right. This has been mulling it over. You guys have a good night. Take care.